While they are all heading out, I'd like to take just a moment to remind you that at the end of our service today, we are collecting a love offering to help um, with the medical costs uh, as they relate to Jarrett Goodman. Um, Jarrett Goodman is a member of this church who was in a motorcycle accident uh, a couple weeks ago um, and was hurt pretty bad, um, has had a couple surgeries already, has a lot of physical therapy and a lot of other things coming down the road. And so we just want to be there for him and uh, give him a handout and or a hand up, you know what I mean. Um, and uh, don't get political with me. Uh, and uh, and uh, they, we will have deacons back at the uh, back of the sanctuary um, after services today. So if you want to take some time to uh, prepare yourself for that, we also um, have plates right there at the very back doors um, where you can leave your tithes and offerings. We don't talk about that very much here, but want to let you know that that plate is set down there right by the door, and then we'll have deacons holding plates, um, and that will be for the love offering. So prayerfully give to that as you feel led. You guys may remember that classic children's song that goes something like this, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery, I may never shoot for the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. And if you were grew up where I grew up, well, then we say, yes, sir. And we could sing that and sing that with gusto. And I'm sure many of you already have sung that, sung that along with me in your head as you remember going to children's church or vacation Bible school or wherever it may have been that you sang that song. It is a sweet song and a great song for children. But on a day like today, this song seems to carry a little more meaning for us. See, today is Memorial Day. And that means that today is the day that we who live in the United States of America set aside to remember our soldiers who have paid the ultimate price for our nation and for our freedoms. When we think of those who have served and still do serve in our armed services, we are reminded that from the very moment that they recite the oath of enlistment, that they know that they may very well have to lay down their lives to defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. The American soldier is a person who is willing to die for the country that they serve. And we celebrate today those who have done that very thing. But if we sing this song about being in the Lord's army, if we are, as the song might suggest, the Christian soldier... The man or woman who has served Christ, who has made an oath to make, to declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If indeed we are in Christ, in the Lord's army, what are we supposed to do? What should we be willing to do? From the moment we pray that prayer of salvation, from the day that we pass through the baptismal waters, what does it mean to be in the Lord's army? What should we be willing to take down? What are we called to do? Our passage today is going to attempt to answer that question. 
You will already see on the board, we are in uh, the second letter to Timothy. This is a letter from Paul. This is, the, this is someone very special and very dear to Paul, a young man by the name of Timothy who he viewed as his son in the faith. Timothy traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys, eventually being left for at least a season in Ephesus to lead the church there and to guide that church. And as Timothy, or excuse me, as Paul is writing to Timothy in this letter, he begins to use the analogy of a soldier in order to encourage Timothy as he serves the Lord. We are going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read the first 13 verses of this chapter. And as we do so, we are going to focus on the analogy that he makes of the soldier. If you are able, please once again stand with me as we read from the Word of God. The Word of God says this, You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The thing which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his shares of the crop. Consider what I say to you, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Please be seated. As I've mentioned already, I want to really focus in this morning on this analogy that Paul gives of of the good soldier, of as a good soldier. And there's some things that Paul communicates about what it means to be a good soldier of the Lord, what it means to be in the Lord's army. The first thing I want to point out from this passage that it says, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, please the one who enlisted you. If we are truly followers of Christ, if we are in the Lord's army, then our first mission is to be pleasing to the one to whom we belong. In other words, we are to follow orders. No soldier has ever been pleasing to his commanding officer, has been pleasing to those in charge of him that has continually disobeyed orders and done their own thing. That is not what makes a good soldier. That is not what makes a soldier of the Lord either. We are called to be obedient to the word. This should not be a crazy concept to us. If we really think about it, it's, it's the only thing that makes sense. We, if you are in Christ, then you are a Christ 
follower. Well, it makes sense then to say a follower of Christ follows Christ. A follower of Jesus is one who follows Jesus. You cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and then not follow Jesus. Something is amok there. Something is wrong. There is a hypocrisy there or an error. If we are a follower, that means that we follow. We actually do something. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going errand and going shopping with my children. And anybody who has ever had children their entire life knows I'm being sarcastic. And one of my favorite things for one of my children to do is to push the cart. The problem is the one pushing the cart doesn't know where we need to go. And so quite often the cart would be leagues ahead of us in the store and we would be like, come back! And if they were not leagues ahead of us going where we do not want them to go, they are falling back behind staring at something that we've already said no to. This rings true for the parents in the room, I can tell. And it's funny when we think about it, but it's not so often people claim to be followers of Jesus and they are doing the exact same thing. They are either off in la-la land, far from God, doing their own thing, seeking their own thing, pursuing their own thing. Or God is pushing them to go and to follow the Lord and to do what God has commanded them to do. And they are still way back sitting on their hands. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, please the one who enlisted you. When, the God, when God says move, we move. And when God says stay, we stay. See, following Jesus does require activity. It does require action. And it is not to be confused that our actions or our activities are what save us and what keep us right with God and that we have to keep walking with the Lord for fear of us losing our salvation. But rather, it is saying that being pleasing to the Lord is the evidence to whom we actually belong. If we have declared Jesus as Lord, as Romans 10, 9 says, then we will do what our Lord and Master says. Jesus explained it this way in a parable. It says, now after a long time, the master of these slaves came and settled accounts with them. Now, for a little context, a master had left certain things with certain slaves, entrusting them to do something with them, and then he went on a journey. And upon his return, it says this, The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Regardless of your profession, of your age, regardless of your education, whether you've spent one day in this church, maybe you've spent one hour in this church, Or maybe you have spent decades upon decades in this church. If you belong to God, 
If you are a child of God and you have surrendered your life to him, then our number one priority should always be to please God. To do what he has called us to do. To live as he has called us to live. So that when we see him face to face, we will hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. The second thing we can learn from this analogy of being a a good soldier is the instruction to not become entangled in the affairs of this world. 2 Timothy 2, 2 verse 4, put it this way. The soldier in active service, or excuse me, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. This can certainly mean trivial, mundane things that don't matter much to the kingdom. Things such as gossip, drama, and all other types of foolishness that we often get caught up in. But it can also mean much more. Jesus also famously told the parable of the four soils. And in this parable of the four soils, we see that the farmer casts out the seed and the seed lands on all of these different places on the road and on the rocky soil and on the, the, the soil that has weeds and thorns and also on the good soil. And as he explained it to the disciples, he said this about this thornier, this soil with the weeds. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, he says, But the one whose seed is sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word. And it becomes unfruitful. We're reminded from this passage that yes, the the things with which we can be entangled can be petty things, trivial things, gossip and drama and all matters of foolishness. But it can also be the things of this world that cause us to worry. That cause us to obsess over the things that probably we cannot control. It's the things of this world like wealth, success, comfort, protection, safety, even power, whether it's political power or something else. We can become so obsessed with this world that it kills off, it chokes out our fruit and our ability to please our master, to please the one to whom we've been enlisted. And we get bogged down in trying to make a living or earn a retirement or or make a name for ourselves or ascend to the top of the the flow chart of, of responsibilities. We get so wrapped up in this world and what this world defines as success that we forget that we have been called into active service in the Lord's army. And we waste our lives doing things that will not matter in the kingdom of God. When we allow ourselves to become entangled in the things of this world, our lives are choked out by business and distractions and the reason for which we were created to bear fruit is choked out. That same parable about the talent that I read earlier also had this to say about the unfruitful slave. It says, And the one who had received one talent came up to his master and said, Master, I was afraid 
And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master answered and said, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that, that I reap where I do not sow and that I gather where I do not scatter seed. And you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who had ten. For everyone who has, more shall be given. And he, who has, and he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into our inner outer darkness, in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The warning to not be entangled in the affairs of this world comes with a very stark reminder that we exist to bear fruit. See, the, the slave that, that bore no fruit, the slave that just hid away what he had, been re, what he had received and, and just kept it to himself his own life, he wasn't just wrong. He wasn't just in error. In fact, the master says you are wicked for doing so. And we might look at that and say, well, that seems rather harsh. But imagine for just a moment that you had the cure. We've spent such a long time dealing with this pandemic and, and it's so much time talking about this coronavirus and masks and social distancing and all the things that we do. And imagine for just a moment that you had in your bloodstream the cure to the coronavirus. And all you would have to do is share it. And you refuse to do so. Would you just be a private person? Would you just be someone who, who just, I just like to keep things to myself. Would you be a wicked person for doing that? We live in a world. We live in a country. We live in a city where people are dying in their sin. And they will spend eternity separated from God. And if you are here today and you are in Christ, you have the cure. Would you keep it to yourself? If you're in Christ and you know that the, the answer to what is going on in, in your friends' lives and in your, in your world is the gospel of Jesus Christ... Will you keep it to yourself and let those people that you know and even let those people that you love die in their sin and be eternally separated from God? Guys, that's not just lazy. That's not just shy. That's wicked. brings us to our last word from Paul and his analogy of the good soldier. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, suffer hardship. And that doesn't mean just sitting through my sermons. In fact, Paul specifically tells Timothy to suffer hardship with me. Second Timothy was probably the last letter that Paul ever wrote in his life. 
If you continue to read on this letter, you will realize that Paul is imprisoned and that he has been before court after court. and He has had to try to defend his, the gospel and even defend his right to be alive. And even in this, as he is writing this, as we get to the last chapters, you recognize that Paul knows his end is near. And that he is soon to be executed. And in the midst of this, Paul says, endure hardship with me. Well, let me give you a small taste of what he is talking about as he describes it in 2 Corinthians 11. He described his ministry in this way. He says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors. In far more imprisonments, beaten times without numbers. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship throughout many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and, and exposure. Apart from such external things, there has also been the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me also being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? To be quite honest, I don't know what else there is to say when we read of Paul's, Paul's hardships and, 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 and the suffering that he did. He did all of it because of his deep love for the church and for those that would hear the gospel through his words. I know you can go to a lot of churches where they will tell you that Jesus loves you and he wants you to be happy and he wants to take care of you. And that if you follow Jesus, it will all be gumdrops and rainbows. And since it's Memorial Day, sausages and hamburgers. But Paul instructs Timothy, and I truly believe that Paul instructs us today, suffer hardship for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we should not be afraid of when things go hard. And we should not be surprised when people that we love and we care about turn their backs on us because we have chosen to follow Jesus and they have chosen to follow their own wants and desires. We should not be afraid when we leave a bag with gospel material on a doorstep and they yell at us or ignore us. We should not be afraid when this world looks like it is falling deeper and deeper into sin. But we suffer hardship because we know that the message matters. And as we endure hardship, the gospel will go forth. This seems like such an unbelievable task. And you may be with us today and be thinking, golly, how do you turn this into an invitation? Hey, come with me, follow Jesus. We're going to suffer, going to have to deny ourselves on everything and spend our whole life trying to please God. Who's in? 
But I want you to remember what it says at the end of the text as well. Because in the midst of this instruction, as he says, as a good soldier, suffer hardship with me. Do not get entangled in the things of this world, but be pleasing to the master. He goes on to say this, remember Christ. Remember who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember that the one that you are called to serve is the one who defeated death on your behalf. Who bared the brunt of sin and the punishment of sin on your behalf. And then defeated death. Conquered it. So that you too might conquer death in the grave. So that where he is, that he is alive, you are alive also. Not only remembering Christ and what he has done on our behalf, but remember Paul. In Paul's own words, in, in just a few chapters ahead, in 2 Timothy 1.8, he says, Remember who called us to join him in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Remember that he has gone before us, and I would dare argue that everyone in this room could probably trace their faith all the way back to Paul and the people who traveled with them. You know Jesus today. Because Paul and people like Paul shared Christ with people. Did you ever stop to think about that for just a moment? No one just came to know Christ on their own. But somebody shared Christ with them. And then that person shared Christ with someone else. And that person shared Christ with someone else. And that person shared Christ with someone else. And that has been going on for 2,000 years so that you will sit here today. And even today, you are called to go share Christ with other people. I want you to think about this. The gospel did not come to you so it could die with you. But you, you have been called to share Christ with others. Which brings us to our last thing to remember today, and that is to remember the mission. In Sunday school today, we were looking at Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And as we were reading the Gospel of Luke, I believe it was chapter 24, we read these words. Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. I am in the Lord's army. I am strengthened as I remember what Christ has done for me, the example that Paul has left for me, and the mission that I am to carry on. And when I give my last breath, pass on to someone else. As a good soldier, I will endure. I will remain fixed on Christ and not on this world. So that I might be pleasing to him. For I long one day to stand in the presence of my Lord and Savior and hear, well done, 
good and faithful servant. But what about you? If you were to stand before the Lord right now, what would he say? Would he say, I don't know you. You don't belong to me. Would he say, wicked, lazy, slave? Or would he say, well done? Enter into my joy. Are you serving the Lord as a good soldier? Or more importantly, are you ready to enlist? At our church, we share the gospel in a, a very unique way. And I don't know if it's going to come on the board, but I'm going to talk through it. I can't leave the podium. Sorry. I have to stay here today. And as we share the gospel, we begin by reminding everyone, hey, fantastic, that, that God has a design. That God had a, has a design and a purpose for, for all of creation, and that includes you. That you were made on purpose with a purpose. And that God knows you and that he made you. But we don't stay in God's purpose in our life. In fact, we depart from God's design for our life. And when we depart from God's design, you can't necessarily read it up there, but that's called sin. And sin is when we do what we want to do, how we want to do it. Sin is when we get entangled in the things of this world. And we let the world start to tell us what we ought to be doing. And without a doubt, when we depart from God's design, we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. And often, and in fact, everyone in this room at one point in their life has been in this place of brokenness. And see, we do a lot. Ooh, that's fun. That's old. There you go. Uh, and in that brokenness, see, you have those little arrows there. And those are all the ways we try to fix brokenness. We try to fix brokenness through stuff. Boats and cars and houses and, and titles and prestige. We try to fix brokenness through distraction, drugs, alcohol. Women, men, clicks on the internet, likes on our Instagram posts. But no matter how we try to fix our brokenness, we can't fix brokenness from brokenness. And so we needed someone outside of our brokenness to step into our world. And that's where the good news of the gospel comes in. See, the gospel says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The one that we've been talking about all day today. And that he came and lived the life we couldn't live in order to die the death we deserved on the cross and that he rose from the grave three days later and defeated death in the grave and that we too can escape from our brokenness if we will repent and believe in the gospel Romans 10 9 says for if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and so we call to you to believe that Jesus is everything he said he is that he was God in the flesh. That he did die on the cross from your sins. That he did rise from the grave. And that even now he is alive and seated at the right hand of his father. To not only believe this, but then to repent from your sin, declaring Jesus is the Lord of your life. And in doing so, you will be enlisted into the Lord's army. And you will begin to recover and pursue God's design for your life. This is what it means to enlist in the Lord's army. 
This is what it means to serve him and to do what matters. Will you do that today? We're going to pray and then we're going to sing one last song and I'm going to be standing up front. And if you'd like to have a conversation a little bit more about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to do so. If you have come with someone else that you can talk to and you want to talk to them about making a profession of faith or, or really anything for that matter, you're welcome to do that as well. But we would challenge you today. Don't live one more day enslaved to the things of this world. But rather surrender yourself to Jesus. And be used for his kingdom and for his glory. Let us pray. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we pray that as we close out our service today, Lord, that if there is anyone here today that is ready to surrender their life to Jesus, to trust him completely, and Lord, to, to declare him as Lord of their life, that today would be the day. God, may those of us who do know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, may we, not quit, may we quit playing church. And God, may we start living in order to be pleasing to the one who enlisted us. God, we know that means not getting tangled up in the things of this world. God, we know that means suffering hardship. And so God, we pray that you would help us to stay fixed on you. And to remember that the things of this world are passing away. But that the things of God will truly endure forever. Lord, we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen.